Good morning, Spirit Church. Come on, would you stand to your feet? Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for braving the cold. We've got a great service planned for you today. Come on, we're going to get started with some worship. All right, come on, let's see. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it rise. Let praise arise. Come on, sing it out. We'll see. Break down every wall, we'll watch the giants fall. You cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side, forever lift you high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. Faith be the song that calms the storm inside of me. Let it rise. Let faith arise. Let it rise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. You cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side forever.
praise this morning. Your name, Sam. 
this time, we'd like to invite the prayer team to come forward. If you're here this morning and you've got a burden or a need that's on your heart this morning, please bring your petitions to the Lord this morning. He's here. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with flute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this all show this place. And we can sing a thousand songs, it would only be a star. A worship like the river, flowing through your heart. Eternity will echo with the songs of your
Sing my song. 
Father, we are so thankful that you truly are great, that you are above all things, Father, that you created us and designed us with a purpose, and that purpose is to fulfill your will while on here on earth, God, to give you glory, honor, and praise in everything we do. So, Father, I pray that our hearts and our mind can be set on living a life that glorifies you, God, that whenever we sing how great thou art, it's not just something that comes from our lips or from our lungs, but it's something that we live out every single day through the way we walk and the way we talk, Lord. Allow us to be a beacon of hope for so many that are lost or so many that are far from you, God. Lord, we love you so much, and we know that you have greater things that are yet to come. So just help us, encourage us, and empower us to be a part of that great commission you have for your creation, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Here at Spirit Church, we believe in the power of prayer, and we believe in the power of unity. And so to practice these two things, we would love for you to join us in saying the Lord's Prayer together this morning. Would you do so right here? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen, amen. If you believe we serve the one true king, let's go ahead and let's give him a shout of praise this morning. I know it's cold out, but I also know our God is still good, amen. Amen, come on. Hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know it's zero degrees outside, but it's like 65 in here, so we gotta cheer up and have some fun this morning, all right? Turn to your neighbor, give them a fist bump, welcome them, ask them if they're gonna get a hot chocolate today, and then we'll get started here in a moment. Hi everyone, welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Cheryl, and we're so glad you joined us for worship today. Whether you are joining us in person or online, we consider you part of our family and we'd love to connect. If you're here in person, you can scan this QR code to fill out your Connect card or new guest card. And if you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church/connect or spirit.church/guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center following this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, don't feel any pressure to give. But if you're here and you want to give, here are three ways that you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the Commons area. You can give online at spirit.church/give or you can use our Church Center app. Spirit Church, thanks for being so generous so we can continue to reach the least, last, and lost. Now I have a few announcements for you. SYA is starting back up on January 16th from 7 to 9 p.m. Spirit Young Adults is for ages 18 to 25, so if you are a young adult looking for community, this is the perfect place for you. SYA is now going to be hosted at a new location at the Creamery downtown. We are excited to see how God uses this unique environment to inspire and grow our young adults. January 19th is our Socks on Ice event at Spirit Church from 7 to 8 p.m. This is an event for our first through fifth graders to help raise funds for BGMC. Our Spirit Kids partner with Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge to support missions for kids ministry. This event works just like a walkathon where the kids will need your pledges for completing laps around the Socks on Ice course. 
Now is a great time to jump into spirit groups this year. Spirit groups are a great way for you to connect with fellow believers and grow in your faith. We have lots of spirit groups for you to choose from. Check out our groups online at spirit.church groups to see what would be a best fit for you. Or if you're interested in leading or hosting a small group, please contact robin at spiritchurch.com. Spirit Church, thanks for listening. Now let's get out our message notes as lead pastor Jason Fullerton continues our series, Firm Foundation. Glad that you could be with us this morning. Give yourself a hand for being here. And while you're doing that, we're welcoming everybody who's watching with us online. Thanks for tuning in and being a part. Let me just be indulgent for a second and say happy birthday, Emily Hubbler, Pastor Daniel's wife, Emily. It's her birthday today. And then I want to welcome my dear friend, Pastor Jorge from Guatemala, sitting right here. Te amo. Te aprecio mucho. So glad that you're with us today. Uh, my name is Jason, and my wife Robin and I are honored to be the pastors of Spirit Church, and we uh, consider this just the joy and the privilege of a lifetime. We are going to be in the Welcome Center right after service, and so if you're a guest with us today, sneak back there. Let us say hi. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. If you're a part of our church family, we'd love to see you as well. Give me just a second to greet our guests, and then love to pray with you, talk to you, uh, and hang out. I'll, I'll tell you stories. We'll, we'll swap stories. And and uh, memories of things that had happened. So looking forward to seeing all of you. This morning I did something I've never done before. At six in the morning, I took Paisley for a walk and I can now tell you with confidence what negative 19 degree wind chill feels like. So day can't get much better than that, right? Blood was pumping from that, uh, from that moment on. So the second week of the month is typically when I give a Spirit Church update and I kind of let you know what's going on at the church and just give you a report. With this month being January and today being the second month or second Sunday of the month, excuse me, I'm actually going to hold off because on the 28th, the last day, last Sunday of the month is our state of the church address. And that's something I do once a year and I kind of get dressed up in my suit and tie. And yes, I do have one. And I put that on and then I come and just give you the full year of, of celebration and vision of what God did last year and what we're looking forward to God doing this year. So I'm going to hold off on the report today, and we're going to provide that on the 28th at our State of the Church address. That being said, I need to announce to you that on the 31st will be our annual business meeting. It's the last Wednesday, last day of January. We call it a night of celebration because that's really what it is. Sometimes when you hear the word church business meeting, you think of people throwing cats at each other and getting mad and all that, and that's just not what happens at Spirit Church. We just celebrate who God is his faithfulness and what he has done. There are going to be some elections, so if you're a member, you can vote, uh, but everybody is welcome to be here and to attend. So that'll be the 28th is the State of the Church Address. The annual business meeting is on the 1st. Uh, if you have your Bible, I I'm going to encourage you to go to a different passage than what I'm going to put on the screen. If you go ahead and go to Mark chapter 9, and it's going to take me a minute, but I promise you I'm, I'm going to get there. It's kind of like the snow they've been projecting all week. It's going to take a, a while, but it may or may not get there. I'm actually going to go to Mark chapter 9 here in a minute. But go ahead and stand with me if you're able. We're going to go right to our In the Vault text. We've been teaching this new series called Firm Foundation, and we're looking at lessons from 
the book of Romans. And the book of Romans is just a powerful theological textbook for us. It reminds us of, of who God is and the work that he is doing in our lives. And when we stand to read, we're just saying that we reverence God's word. And when we use the same verse every week, we're just saying that we believe in putting the word of God in the vault of our hearts. And so we're really trying to memorize and internalize and interact with scripture. Would you say this one with me this morning? For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word, for the power of that gospel message. We are not ashamed of it. In fact, because of the gospel, we have been saved. And so we thank you for what you have done for us. Uh, Lord, today would we encounter more of your presence. Our worship team has already led, you in, led us into your presence. But now, as this message goes forth, would it not be my voice that fills our hearts in this room today, but would it be the Holy Spirit that speaks to us? We want to encounter you. So we just welcome your presence. We listen, we tune in to what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. You know, it's in the vault text, talks right there about the good news. Paul uses that phrase twice, and that's what we talked about last week, was the, the truth of the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to talk about the power of transformation. The following week on the State of the Church Address, we're going to talk about the opportunity to reach one more. But today, I want to focus in on verse 17 of Romans chapter 1. It's the importance of our faith. We don't talk enough about the role of faith in the Christian walk. And here's what Paul writes to us. The good news, that's what we talked about last week, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. It is accomplished from start to finish by what? By faith, as the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. You know, for us as believers, as Christians, everything rises and falls on faith. In fact, the Bible goes on to tell us that it is impossible for us to please God if we don't have faith. In other words, we cannot live the life that God is calling us to live without faith. In reality, that really shouldn't surprise us because so much of our life involves faith. Even you sitting in a chair this morning was an exercise of faith that when you sat down, that chair was going to support you and hold you and was going to be there. When you flipped a light switch on this morning, you used your faith. When you started your vehicle, it was an exercise of faith. When you plug in a device and go to bed, you have faith that it's going to charge all night long. When you send a text or, or make a call, you have faith that it's going to go through. Every day we exercise faith, faith that our money's going to be available in our bank account when we need it, faith that the bill or the letter that we sent is going to get where we want it to arrive, faith that the red light we're stuck at is eventually going to turn green, right? We have, we have faith that when we go to bed at night, we will wake up the next morning. And so faith is all around us, it's everywhere. But when it comes to God, people often say or ask for or want demonstrations of who God is. They want proof and evidence for his existence and for his word, and there are ample amounts of evidence and proofs for God, but there also always must be space for our faith, for the parts of God that we can't fully comprehend, for the things that we don't totally understand or we're not sure of. And the reason I say that is because God is supernatural. 
He exists outside of our limits and outside of our comprehension, which means that we have to make our faith a priority. To be a Christian, Paul writes to us, is to be a person of faith. And sometimes we might interject the word believer for the word Christian. And the word believer comes from the word believe, and the word belief implies faith. If you were to go to the dictionary this morning, the dictionary defines the word faith as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And I I like those two C words there, complete and confidence, because that's really what faith is. It's complete confidence in who God is, what he says he will do, what he continues to do in and through us. A biblical definition of faith is actually found in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1. And let me show you that here. The English Standard Version says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. A lot of us grew up reading from a King James or a New International Version. The NIV says, Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. And I was working through this verse and I was trying to figure out how to articulate and to explain exactly what the author of Hebrews is trying to communicate to us. And I just felt God whisper in my ear, look at the message. And I was like, no, Lord, the message is a paraphrase. It is not a translation. We're not supposed to teach or preach from the message. It's not act. And, and you know how God is like, um, listen, look at the message and so the message bible is a paraphrase it's not a direct translation but eugene peterson was the man who paraphrased it and i love the way that this reads hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 and 2 from the message paraphrase look what he says the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in god this faith is the now look behind me at what we titled this series Isn't God cool? (laughs) Because I had never seen that that was in the message. I just felt like the Lord said, do a series on Romans, call it Firm Foundation. And then I go and I look at what, how Hebrews describes uh, faith based on Eugene's paraphrase, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, and it's a firm foundation. Faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Faith is our handle on what we cannot see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, what set them above the crowd. This morning, because faith is so important, I want to take a few moments to talk about the importance of our faith, and I want to help us categorize or see the way that faith works in our lives. Let me give you four different understandings of faith from Scripture. The first is what I call saving faith. Because it requires faith to be saved. It requires faith to be a believer, to be a Christian. The Bible tells us this, and it tells us this in more than one location. Ephesians chapter 2 is our first place where we're going to see it this morning. It's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. And the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. The work has been done. God has extended his grace to us. Jesus died for us, but we have to receive it. We have to believe in faith in what he has done. In fact, asking Jesus to come into our lives, asking him to come into our hearts is a part of saving faith. Romans chapter 1, verse 17, again from our In the Vault text this morning. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. We have to exercise our faith. Last week I showed you this from from Romans chapter 3. I read verses 23 and 24 to you, but I want to put the whole passage together all the way to verse 25 this morning because this really illustrates how important our faith is. Everyone has sinned. 
We all fall short of God's glorious standard, and we emphasize these next two words last week, yet God. We've had those yet God moments. But God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. So all the work has already been accomplished for us because of God through Jesus coming from heaven to earth and living and dying for our sins. But not just dying, he, he rose from the grave, amen? And so then verse 25 comes in and adds to our understanding. It says, people are made right with God when they believe. See, there's got to be an element of our faith. There has to be an exercise of saving faith that we believe, that we don't just read about it, that we don't just hear about it, that we haven't just been told, but we believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shed his blood for us. The reason I maybe am so amped up about this and I take so much time to emphasize this morning is because I know, and probably if I asked for hands, we would all lift them. The devil tries to mess with us and tries to confuse us and tell us that we're not saved. He wants us to believe that somehow it wasn't real, it didn't happen, God's not real, God's plan for us isn't going to be lived out. And can I just remind all of us this morning, myself included, that Satan is the author of confusion and he sits on a throne of lies. And what he wants to do is to manipulate and confound and confuse us because if he can, he can keep us bound. If we're constantly wondering whether or not we've been saved, if we're constantly wondering whether or not this is real, then Satan has his thumb on us and manipulates us for his purposes. That's why we have to exercise what I call saving faith to believe that we are right with God. Romans chapter 5, this isn't just my opinion, the Bible talks about this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by what? By faith. Look what we have as a result of it. Peace. Satan can't be there because he likes confusion and chaos, but even the very mention of the name Jesus brings peace. And so because of our faith in what God has done for us, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done. And because of our faith, Christ brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we stand and that we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. So we have saving faith. Let me give you the second type or category of faith this morning. It's uh, oxymoronic. It's like jumbo shrimp. It's doubting faith. When saying that, that's not possible because those two concepts or ideas stand in contrast to one another, but doubting faith. And again, if we raised hands, myself included, I think a lot of us would land here at some point in time in our life, whether it's because of experiences that we've had or the schemes of Satan or things that people have brought into our lives. Sometimes I talk to and I visit with people who have encountered doubt about God's nature, about God's existence, the validity even of God's word. And I want to say this very clearly this morning so that everyone understands. If you have doubts about God, Jesus loves you and he welcomes your doubt and he won't disown you for doubting. Okay, let's just take a deep breath and have peace in this this morning. If you're uncertain that God is real or that the Bible is true or that this whole Christian thing is made up, Jesus loves you and he is not afraid or scared of the questions that you bring to him. The enemy wants to shame you because of your doubt. The enemy wants to bring insecurity because of your uncertainty. 
So if you doubt, can I encourage you, ask Jesus for help. If you are unsure, allow Jesus to make you sure. If you struggle with believing, ask Jesus to help your unbelief. Hear me again. Your doubt does not make you inadequate. Your doubt makes you human. Okay? Makes all of us human. But we don't want to live or perpetuate doubt. We want to surrender our doubt to Jesus because he's the one who can help us with our unbelief. Now, Mark chapter 9, verse 20, where I asked you to go at the start. There's a, there's a young boy. He is uh, possessed by a demon for whatever reason. We don't know all of what has happened. And here's a father who brings his young boy and he desperately wants him to be healed. He brings him to the disciples of Jesus and they're unable to heal the boy and so they bring the boy to Jesus. And verse 20 says, when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Now whether you're a father or a mother, put yourself into the position of a parent this morning who has a child that you bring and you have brought time after time again looking for someone who can help him. This probably isn't the first time this father has reached out for help. This probably isn't the first time that he's reached out for help and no one has been able to do anything. And so when he asked Jesus, help us if you can, he's saying nobody else can. Not even your own disciples could. And Jesus says, well, what, what do you mean if I can? And, and, and the father says a very honest, very vulnerable answer. And I think it's one that a lot of us fall into sometimes. I, I do believe but help that part of me that struggles with unbelief. And see, the enemy wants to capitalize on that, and he wants to make us feel shameful for having faith. But when you look at what the Father is saying, in essence, what he says is, Jesus, my faith is far from perfect. Jesus, I'm not sure that I have enough faith. And, and Lord, if my faith isn't enough, please help me have enough faith. In fact, the translation of this verse from the contemporary English version, the CEV, says this, I do have faith, but please help me have even more. Help me to have even more faith. And so I'm, I'm preparing for this message, and I like to do a lot of research and study and synthesize the material so that I can provide the best teaching that I can for you. And there's a book, um, a man named Barnabas Piper wrote a book called Help My Unbelief. And I thought, I'm going to read this book, and I'm going to bring some new insight to this for our church family, and I'm going to bless our church with this. And so I, I downloaded the audiobook, and I pressed play. And audiobooks, they just start reading for wherever it picks up, right, from the first page. And the first page of the book is usually the dedication page, where the author of the book says, you know, I dedicate this book to my wife, or I dedicate this book to my family, or to my dog, or my goldfish, or whatever it might be. Well, Barnabas Piper dedicated the book to his children. And so I pressed play and I started listening and he says, to my children, you will fight unbelief. I pressed pause on the audio book and it has that little rewind 10 seconds button and I hit that and I pressed play. You will fight unbelief. And I stopped it again and I thought, 
man, does this guy know me? <laughs> does he understand what we're going through? I thought, this guy doesn't know me. Jesus knows me. Jesus knows me. You will fight unbelief. But my hope is that when you do fight unbelief, you believe enough to cry help. For when you do, God will answer. He promises to answer those who cry out to him. See, Jesus isn't scared of our doubt. He doesn't shame us or rebuke us for our doubt. He welcomes our doubt and he asks us to surrender our doubt to him. Even the disciples who Jesus was with all the time, who saw him do unbelievable miracles, came to him in Luke chapter 17 and verse 5, and they said, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. They were struggling with having enough faith. It's a common struggle that we all face. And Jesus, following these words, he talks to them about mustard seed faith. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a second. But let me, let me kind of land this thought on doubting faith. I heard Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church in Texas talk about this. He said, a lot of us in our homes, we go to our sink and we turn on the hot water. And how goofy it would be if we stuck our hand under and said, well, I guess it's not getting hot, and we walked away. Because what faith does is faith turns on the hot water and it checks and it goes, it's not hot yet. But if I let it run long enough, if I keep checking occasionally, Unless you have one of those insta-hot tanks at your house. And if you do, um, let us know because we're going to come over later today. But it, most of us, we have to wait. And so what do we do? We, we let the water run because we believe that if the water runs long enough, the hot will eventually get to our faucet. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a person who has more faith in a hot water tank than I do in my Savior. Right, And Pastor Joe talked about this last week, Joe Kola, when he was with us during our prayer conference. And he talked about how God always answers prayer. And we have doubt, is God going to answer? God always answers prayer. And Pastor Joe said this, when conditions are not right, God answers no. When the time is not right, God answers slow. When you are not right, God answers grow. And when everything is right, God answers go. So for those of us in the room who struggle with doubting faith, who say to Jesus often, I do believe, but help my unbelief, let me quote to you the morning, this morning the famous words of the theologian's journey, don't stop believing. Come on. It's not just a good song, but it's a good message from God's word. Don't stop believing. Let Jesus help your unbelief. And here's how you do it. It's the third kind of faith. It's active faith. It's active faith. When we struggle with doubting faith, with our doubt, active faith is the antidote to our doubt. Because when I put my faith to work, it's really hard for doubt to seep in. When I let my faith lie dormant, when I don't do anything with my faith, and when I become complacent, then it's really easy for doubt to come into my heart and into my life. For, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says it this way. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. We've got to exercise our faith as we live this life for the Lord. And James, one of the earliest authors of the New Testament, the half-brother of Jesus, he wrote this, James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food, no clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but you don't give that person food or clothing? What good does that do? 
So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless faith produces good deeds, it is dead and it is useless. And those are tough words. They're powerful words. They're challenging words, but they're accurate words. They're what we need to hear sometimes. And I want to encourage all of us in the room, whether you say I have doubting faith or you say I don't struggle with doubt, let all of us put our faith to work. Because when we put our faith to work, when we serve, we are showing to the world around us that it's not about me. We're demonstrating to others that we believe in God and that we believe in who he is. And we have faith to follow God's commandments and our faith has motivated us, motivated us to serve him and to share who he is. And you say, okay, I'm buying in. What do I do? How do I get involved? Well, on, on the 28th at the State of the Church Address, I'm going to outline some really neat serving opportunities for our church, some doors that God has opened this year in ways that we can serve. Last week, we even had a missions trip meeting after service, and we got three missions experiences that you can be a part in. But, but hear me now. Don't wait till January 28th for an opportunity to hear about how to activate your faith. You could be involved every single Sunday serving in some way. You could be in the cafe. You could be in Next Generation Ministries. You could be in our media team. You could be the parking lot team. I love the parking lot team was actually called the vestibule team this morning because they were just inside. You saw them just inside the doors. They were kind of in the parking lot, but it was a lot warmer inside those doors. And I don't blame them for being there. I'm thankful for them. But there are ways that you can serve and activate your faith every week. But let me, let me pause and just say this. Don't wait for Spirit Church for you to activate your faith. You don't need a church. You can activate your faith every single day of your life. And the very next part of James, verse, chapter 2, verse 18 says, Now someone might argue, some people have faith and other people have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Well, you might say you have faith because you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? As people who have faith in Jesus, as people who might say, Lord, help my unbelief, we need to actively and daily demonstrate and live out our faith in who God is. Let me show you a fourth kind of faith this morning it's what I call impossible faith impossible faith you might even say it's faith for the impossible what I like about impossible faith is impossible faith says I haven't seen it yet I call it like meteorologist faith right like oh man 12 inches are coming race to the store buy all the milk and bread hurry freak out do all these things and then when it gets to the day of you know what, it's going to be 70 and sunny. We're all good, but you got plenty of milk and bread. No, it's teasing. It's impossible faith is the faith that God can do anything. Coupled with the conviction that sometimes God doesn't do the anything that I want. Because his ways and his thoughts are higher than mine. Let me take you back to Mark chapter 9 real quick. To that father who brings his son to Jesus. And he, he's explaining to Jesus what happens let me remind you of his words. He says, The Spirit throws my son into the fire or into the water and tries to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. That word, man, that just haunts me sometimes. Help us if you can. And Jesus responds to him, What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible for a person who believes. 
But God kind of rocked my thinking about this verse this week, if I'm being honest. Because the more I studied it and the more I looked into it, Jesus wasn't telling the Father to believe in the miracle. He was telling him to believe in the miracle worker. Because most of life, especially with regard to his son, had been a letdown. And he says, I'm not inviting you to believe in a miracle. I'm inviting you to believe in me. Jesus is telling the Father, don't have faith in faith, have faith in me. Because again, he's supernatural, he's impossible, he exists outside of our constraints, our time, and our space. And that's why the importance of our faith cannot be understated. If we're going to be a follower of Jesus, our faith is paramount, it is the most important. And this story about this little boy and his father, it's found in the book of Mark. It's found in the book of Matthew as well. And in Matthew chapter 17, what happens is Jesus casts the evil spirit out and the boy is, is healed and he's delivered. And in Matthew's version of it, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, what's up? We prayed, we believed, we tried. How come it didn't work for us? And then he comes to you and you're instantly able to do it. And Jesus says, it's because you don't have enough faith enough faith. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible. And so I had this awesome idea this morning that I was going to bring a mustard seed on stage, and I was going to show all of you this is all the faith that it takes. And so when I was at Aldi with every single stinking one of y'all on Thursday, buying every single product that known to man, I went by the, the spice aisle, and even if I had a mustard seed in my hand, I think Susan would be the only one, and you'd barely be able to see. You know how small a mustard seed is? It's, it's minuscule. It is almost invisible. It's tiny. And then verse 21, which is not on the screen for you this morning, it goes on to say that this only comes through prayer and through fasting. You know what I feel like the Lord is saying there is that sometimes we want the miracle, but we don't want to pray and we don't want to fast. We don't want to activate our faith. And maybe that's because we've had doubting faith. Maybe that's because we've been let down. Maybe that's because we don't want to put in the work or the effort that it requires. But if we have impossible faith, then we ought to have impossible prayer, impossible fasting. We ought to put some action to our faith. But hear me again, back to what Jesus is trying to show us this morning. He is always the object of our faith. Not the miracle, not the work, not the action, not faith itself. See, our faith is not based on our feelings or our situations. Because if it is, we're always going to be let down. Our faith is never in people, nor is it in a church. Our faith is in Jesus. Our saving faith is in Jesus. And when we have doubting faith, we surrender it to Jesus. And our active faith is because we believe in who Jesus is and we're moving and living and working in response to who he is and what he has done. And our impossible faith says, God, you can do anything and I pray that you would do anything even if it's not my anything. I pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done because your ways and your thoughts are higher than mine. So help my heart to beat like your heart beats. Help my eyes to see what your eyes see. Help me put, to believe for that which you are trying to do. I think far too often I try to invite Jesus to jump into my situation. He says, yo, back off. Come get into my situation with what I'm doing. He's welcoming us to place our trust in him.
And if you'd bow your head this morning, that's what I want to do, is I want to invite you to place your trust in Jesus. If you've never had that opportunity, this moment is for you an opportunity to surrender your doubt to Jesus and to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. We, we call it here saying yes to Jesus. And, and it is. It is a complete exercise and operation of your faith that you say, you know what, this is what I see and what I've experienced and what I feel, but I lay all that down and I choose to believe in the work that you have done, just like the book of Romans taught us. Jesus has already done the work. We're just believing in what he has done. Bible tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. This morning, if you'd like to place your faith completely in him and say yes to Jesus, I won't embarrass you. Would you just kindly slip up your hand right now and maybe even make eye contact with me and say, hey, pray for me. Pray for me. That's me. I want to place my faith in Jesus. Thank you for, for being bold. If you're watching online, you can do this very easily by just typing the word yes in your text or your chat box. You can let us know that you're making this decision to place your faith in him. Thank you for those who were courageous and lifted those hands this morning. The Bible again says that we believe and you did that, but now we have to confess and we, we start that process through what we call a prayer of confession. So I want to invite everyone in the room, would you please pray this prayer with me? If you're watching online, you join us in praying this. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And we believe through faith in what God has done. And so if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to exercise your faith and send us that text and let us know. Because we've got to go public now with that faith. We've got to see you be baptized in water. We want to help you to grow in your faith and to become more like Jesus. I want us to have kind of a reflective moment as we close this conversation, this time together, thinking about our faith. If you're able to, would you stand with me all across this room? And I know we just had our heads bowed, but would you maybe do that one more time? And as you do that, would you just ask a simple question? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me this morning? Iva's going to continue to play. I'm going to get real quiet for just a second. And let's listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What are you speaking to me this morning? bowed, what I think the Holy Spirit is directing us to do and what I'd like to pray for this morning is for those of us who are in the same situation as this Father, and we say, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And maybe you're like the Father and you're, you're struggling with doubting faith over a child. And maybe they are sick or maybe they are wayward and far from God. Maybe your doubting faith is that 
that diagnosis or that illness that you've been dealing with seems like it's never going to go away. Or maybe you feel like you're stuck in your current position in life and things just aren't going to get better and you're just like spinning a wheel like it's stuck in mud and you can't seem to gain any traction. And what happens in those moments is when God doesn't move in the way in the time that we think he should or that we expected him to, then doubt creeps in. But like this father, we just confess that to the Lord. I I believe, but help when I don't have enough faith. Help my unbelief. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand if that's you. And that's not a confession of weakness. That's not so that we can say, oh, you don't have enough faith. That's actually just us activating our faith and saying, I surrender it to you, Jesus. I surrender my doubt. I surrender that which I can't control. I surrender that which is out of my hands to you. Some of you have already started doing it, but if if that's you, again, we're a family. We're not looking around to see who's lifting their hands. Just maybe symbolically lift that hand and say, I do believe, but help my unbelief in this area. I surrender the doubt to you. And, And don't just lift a hand. Begin to talk to Jesus right now. Tell him, Lord, I surrender my doubt about my future. I've been worried and anxious about it. Lord, I surrender my doubt about my health that it seems like I get burdened down by that and it's outside of my control and there's nothing I can do about it. And so rather than being anxious and worried all the time, I choose to trust you. Lord, I I surrender my doubt about my child that I think is far from you and I'm wondering if they're living the life they're supposed to live. And God, rather than being carrying a burden I can't carry, I surrender my doubt to you. I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. Increase my faith. Help me to believe even more. And Lord, if that means that I have to activate my faith and put it to work and serve you in greater and deeper and more fulfilling ways, would you help me, Lord? Would you help me? Lord, thank you that you are the perfecter of our faith. You're the author of our faith. You're the object of our faith. And today we confess that our trust is completely in the person of Jesus Christ. We thank you. Now, all of us, whether you raised your hand or not, can we thank him that he's worthy of our faith and our trust? I thank you that I can put my trust in you, that you are good and you are faithful, that you've never failed, that all your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and it is in work in us so our confidence is in who you are, Jesus. We love you. and We praise you. We give you the thanks, God. Man, what, what a special morning. I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm just so grateful for the word of God that's living and it's active in our lives every single day. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to remind you something. Uh, before we go, uh, I want to pray a prayer blessing over you in a moment. But uh, we are still having youth, still planning to have youth this evening, weather permitting. And so if you would keep an eye on, on social medias, and we'll let you know if anything changes. But uh, we are planning to have youth tonight as of right now. But uh, I'd like to pray a prayer, a blessing over you. So if you're comfortable, raise your hands this morning. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. We love you guys. Have a safe and warm rest of your week.